Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. There's just something about this week leading up to Easter. I just want to stand in awe of the life of Jesus, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection. We're doing this mini-series uh, leading up to Easter a weekend, looking at some of the different moments that took place, some of the different movements, some of the different things that took place in that week. It's called the Passion Week, the week between Palm Sunday and Easter, the Passion Week. Our theme verse is in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus is just letting his disciples know what's going on. Uh, verses on the screen says, Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside. So he's just huddling up with those, those few closest to him. And they're having a little huddle where he's just going to explain what's going to happen this time. Took the twelve aside and said to them, We're going up to Jerusalem, which they had done many times before, but this time... It's different, something different is going to happen. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And we have this ability to, to look back on the vantage point of having the whole story, of having the whole week completed, to look back on the vantage point and see what happened and the power of it and why, why Christ had to go to the cross and why Christ had to endure that, that week and all those events. And they didn't have that. They're hearing this and seeing this and not quite understanding it. But he says it's not going to end there. It's not going to end in a crucifixion because on the third day he will be raised to life. And that's what Easter is all about. But it's interesting as we celebrate this weekend. Most Bibles call it the triumphant entry or as we know it as Palm Sunday, the start of Passion Week. Where if you, if you were to take all, all four Gospels, they're, the four Gospels are written by different people, two different people with different purposes. They don't include, they don't in, each include all the same stories, all the same miracles, all the same accounts. But if you were to take all four Gospels and put them together, there's 89 chapters. 29 of those 89 chapters are about the Passion Week. About a third of, of the Gospels are about one week, the most important week in history, the biggest week in history. Thank God for the Passion Week. Thank, thank God for what we get to learn. I just want to lean in and get everything I can out of them. It's the most important week. And on the back of your outline, I actually put a, a Bible reading plan you could use this week if you wanted to read through the Passion Week. Put some Old Testament verses prophesying, predicting what would happen, and then the account of Jesus fulfilling those prophecies and what happened and what he went through. Every movement, every moment speaks to us. Just want to lean in and grab everything I can out of it. All, all four Gospels explain what happened on Palm Sunday. and We're going to read it today from Luke's account. If you'll look at it with me, flip your outline back over in Luke 19. It says, after Jesus said this, meaning after he had finished teaching this parable, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem as he appro approached Bethpage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives. So what it's doing here is Jesus has just mapped a way into the city that's, that's very specific. It's a specific way, and he's going to go through these certain cities and then go to a place where it dips down and it's going to turn and then go back up into Jerusalem. It's how he wants to enter the city. Right before he's going to take a turn into the city, he gathers two disciples. We, we don't know which two they are. 
And he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And I love how he gives a just-in-case. He says, just in case, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. He just gives the disciples the password. I love this. In case they get blocked in the borrowing of this donkey, just tell them I need it. I used to have a boss who'd send me on errands or have me make phone calls and stuff. And, and he, he would say, if, if they ask you why you're calling, just tell them I told you to. If, if, they, if, he, if they ask you why you're nosing around in this thing, just tell them I sent you. His name was like a password through all the roadblocks and all the red tape and everything. Verse 32, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the own, its owners asked them, why are you untying my colt? We do the same thing if someone rolled up in our yard, started riding our bike. Hopped on our motorcycle, got up in our truck. Hey, dude, why are you up in my truck? What you doing up in my truck? That's my truck. This was the man's resource, the man's donkey. Need the donkey. He wanted to know why someone's just going to roll up and take his resource, untie his resource for their own. But then they give him the password. They replied, the Lord needs it. And he releases it. I like this guy. Love this guy. Oh, the Lord needs it. Jesus needs it? By all means, have it. I was hoping he'd notice me. I was hoping he'd pick me. It's all his anyway. This is just my resource. He's my source. This is just a resource. So if the source needs this resource, you can have it. There's more where that came from. I'm so glad he picked me. I was hoping he would see me today. I was hoping he would choose me. Anything he needs. It's all from him anyway. Anything. You can have it. Lord needs it. My pleasure. It's yours. Verse 35. They brought it to Jesus through their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it as he went along people spread their cloaks on the road so their outer coverings their coats throw them on the road when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives so it dips down it's going to come back up the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. This is all the followers, all the disciples, all the people that have been touched by Jesus, heard the stories about him, been healed by him, knew him, loved him, followed him, heard him teach. and all the, It's just this culminating moment from all the miracles and all the things and all the ways he's changed their lives, culminating in this eruption of praise, this triumphant praise, triumphant entry. Jerusalem is buzzing because a festival called Passover and multitudes of people are there. Jesus is now coming into the city. People are so excited to lift up their voice and praise to God. They worship God. It's a seismic voice. You can hear it everywhere. A rampage of praise. This is going on as this parade moves closer and closer to Jerusalem. And they begin to shout and they begin to sing. They actually begin to sing a specific thing. Psalm 118, they say, blessed, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Some of the other gospel writers say that they, people began to cut down palm branches and wave them. It was just a symbol of royalty, of kingship. They'd wave them and as he would come across, they'd, they'd lay them down and, and the donkey and Jesus and this parade would cross over the palm branches. Why we call it Palm Sunday and you can hear it everywhere, just this, this expression of praise. They're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, you're the saving one. Save us now, saving one. They say, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It's an incredible scene. 
And Jesus has planned it all. He knows what's happening. Scholars tell us that there could be as many as a million people outside the city singing this, hearing this, recognizing this, participating in some way. Another million inside the city preparing for Passover. But I love how we get a side view of something else. You got a million different people, you got a million different stories, a million different perspectives. We get a side view of something else that's going on. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They can't take it. They can't take this praise. They can't take this crowd being so excited about Jesus. They begin to call out to Jesus as he's riding into Jerusalem, interrupting this parade, interrupting the praise, saying, Teacher, rebuke, quiet down your disciples. You know what I picture in my mind's eye? Just this parade and this this route and this thing that's happening. 2015, Royals World Series Parade. How many of you remember that? How many of you were at the parade? Come on now. Oh, yeah, yeah, plenty of people. It's a big deal. It's just all culminating. This was 30 years of waiting for some people who have been their whole life. Waiting for this moment, waiting for this thing to happen, waiting for the, just all culminating, everything that the royals had done, all culminating in this, in this one moment of, of praise. And I just picture those hundreds of thousands of people that had come together, and they're, they're just going crazy. The city went crazy, parking on the interstate, people getting trapped in porta-potties. There's full-grown adults sitting on the shoulders of little kids just to get a glimpse of Hosmer, and it's just... Nuts. People have been parked out at Union Station since game five, top of the 12th. It's just, man, it's just everything went nuts. And I just picture, can you imagine Ned Yost as he's coming in on that truck and everyone's just, they're just singing their psalm of praise. They just break out in their psalm. Let's go Royals. Thank you for the few people who joined in on that. Sounded about just like it does at the stadium right now, but... <laughs> If you're ever at a Royals game and you hear the one guy going, let's go, that's me. That's, that's me somewhere, somewhere up at the top. But can you just imagine as Ned Yost comes down to the truck and he's holding up that trophy and they're, they're entering into, taking that turn into to Union Station and the whole crowd is uh, up on that hill of the, the monument and everything. Can you imagine some of the New York Mets show up and say, Ned, rebuke your fans. Yeah, get right on that. Yeah. <laughs> they start singing their song. Blessed, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Verse 40, Jesus replies, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love that. I love that. So powerful. So amazing. Just what, are you, what are you talking about? I will get my glory. I'll get my glory one way or another. You can participate or not, but I'm getting the glory. I'm, I'm the king of kings. I'm, I'm God. It's just, I love that. It's, but it's so convicting too. I don't want to rock to, to get the praise I want to pour out to God. I don't need a, a stone to get my praise. I'm not smart, but I'm smarter than a rock. So thank you, rocks, for joining us today. Thank you for coming to worship with us today. Thank you for joining us, but we're not going to need you. Uh, we, don't, we don't need you today. You can, 
take a seat. You can sit down, Rock, because I have a song to sing. I have praise to bring. I know who God is. I know who my creator is. And I know who called me out of darkness into this marvelous light. And so I'm standing up today. So Rock, you can sit down because I'm standing up. You can put your hands down because I'm putting my hands up. And you can keep your voice down. You can keep it quiet because I'm lifting up my voice today and I'm lifting up my praise and I have a song to sing. And God, he's done wonderful things in my life and I just can't keep quiet about it. And I can't just... If my expression of praise speaks to the root of faith I have in my life, I've got a lot of faith. And you know where your faith is by your expression of praise. You know know where your faith is by your willingness to pour out your praise to God. You know who He is in your life by how you praise Him. And and we have so much faith today that we know God is so very much alive that that He's coming in. It's just like He's right before us on this parade route. And God, you saved me, you healed me, you've done wonderful things for me, and I know who you are. There's just a lot of different people who are lined up on this parade route. I think about the religious leaders, they're so nervous, they're so full of hate, they cannot stand it. They cannot stand this Messiah for the common person who's included all the ones they've excluded. Drives them crazy that the people that They said, cannot be helped, should not be helped. Jesus has taken them in and empowered them and loved them, helped them. Said, no, you come to me all who are weary. You're you're worth my time. You're you're worth the effort. You are are worth the help. And and his his words carry more authority and more weight than than these Pharisees and the religious leaders and all these people. Their words don't carry weight anymore. They can't stand it. You've got the Romans who they're just so nervous, they're on edge. They don't know what this, this crowd of people is going to do. I mean, just imagine with me all, that, that Royals parade and all those people gathered in front of Union Station and everything. What if that were to turn into a mob and turn against the city? And what, what do you do? How do you, how do you stop that? And they're so, they're so nervous, they're fearful that, that this is going to get back to Rome and, and, and Rome's going to say they, they don't know how to govern anymore. These people have lost control of the people. They don't know how to govern. They don't know how to oversee this city. They're nervous. They're concerned that this is going to create a problem. The people, they've been oppressed. They're going through so much. They believe finally we have a king who can liberate us from from the Romans. The pain and the problems that we go through every day are about to be stopped. Finally, we have a king. We have a man of war. You've got the disciples. They don't know what's going on. It's just, this week is so confusing for them. You see later on in the week what we talked about last week of them trying to position themselves at the Last Supper and they've, they've lost sight with the, with the people and all that influence. They've lost sight of, of what Jesus came to do and what he's up to and, and they just don't know what they're doing. They were headed into a parade, got stopped to go sidetrack, pick up a donkey. What is going on? You ever get stopped in the middle of something to go do something else? Ryland, we're going to need you to go pick up ice. Why do I got to pick up ice? I don't want to go pick up ice. I don't... We're going to need you to go get more fireworks while we continue to set off these. Why do I got to go get more fireworks? They're getting sidetracked to go do something else. Got to go do this side job. Then there's Jesus, of course. Jesus is among them. He's riding a donkey. The people are excited. They've got their own agenda. They think that they're about to go to war with Rome and be freed from the oppression of the Roman boot, but Jesus didn't come to go to war with Rome. Jesus has come to go to war, yes, 
but against something different, against sin, against death, against hell, against the grave. He's not temporary. This isn't a temporary vision. This isn't about earthly kingdoms. This isn't about earthly geography. This isn't about earthly leaders. This is about something more eternal. This isn't about the people's agenda. This is about heaven's agenda. Jesus is being moved, moved by heaven. He has another plan. He has another purpose, just like he does in our life. All eyes are on the wrong thing. Jesus knows why he has come. He knows that he's been born to die. He knows he's been born to die in a certain way at a certain time. And the scene we see later at the cross, and now these people that are shouting Hosanna are ridiculing Jesus. They're saying, if you, if you are who you say you are, save yourself. Get yourself off the cross. Save yourself. But if he saves himself, he can't save you. If he saves himself, he can't fulfill the, the purpose in which he came. Jesus had another purpose. 1 John 3, 8 just helps me understand God's purpose in my life. Purpose of Jesus and what he did for us. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he's not trying to rid the people of earth's problems and inconveniences. He's not, his purpose isn't to make my life more convenient on earth. Purpose is to to take an ultimate problem that I could not solve myself. Thank God that, that, that Jesus Christ knows what my real problems are, what my ultimate problems are, the sin problem of my life. And while I'm so worried about the inconveniences and, 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 and earthly problems, Jesus, he recognizes the, the real problem in my life and, and he offers real freedom and true hope in his death and burial and resurrection. Jesus knows what everything means. He knows where he's headed. He knows why he's headed. He knows the what for. And he knows the way in which he is making here. Sometimes I wonder if there's anyone else clued in and knows what's going on. Jesus is carrying this burden. He's carrying this weight. Once he, turns in, once he takes that turn in Jerusalem, there's no turning back. Thank God. It's like a sheep being led to the slaughter. And there's no turning back at that point. I just wonder, does anyone else get it? Does anyone else know what's going on? The people were missing it. Even his closest disciples were missing it. And as I read this story, the only object or thing that's clued in and fulfilling its purpose is the colt. It's the little donkey. I love how Jesus is carrying a burden. He's carrying a great burden into the city that day. And so he, he, he drafts in, he recruits in, he, he decides to borrow the beast of burden. And a donkey makes a way to the people and, and, and into Jerusalem through the people. Come on, it was a good day for a donkey. A lot of verses about that donkey. I mean, once you see it, it's just like, man, how many times is Luke going to mention this donkey? How many times are they going to talk about this donkey? Out of all the time you could spend on the Passion Week, he gives so much time describing this donkey and will be, that will be used to make the way to the cross, and the way to the Passion Week. What can we learn from it? Just want to lean in and grab everything we can out of this. I don't know how many... Passion weeks we're going to have in life. Don't know how many times in life, how many years that we're going to have leading up to Easter. Just want to lean in and grab everything we can. Stand in awe of each and every encounter, each and every character, each and every account of, of this marvelous, amazing week in history. 
I think there's five lessons we can learn from this sacred, sacred moment. I love to just break down the movements, break down the movements of the donkey. What was his first movement? He, he was planted. He wasn't just here or there. He was right where he was supposed to be. The devil wants to preoccupy us. The devil wants to distract us, get us so busy, get us so distracted. So much of worship is surrendering to the fact that we are where we're supposed to be. That, that God created us and he creates, creates things on purpose, for a purpose. That, that the time we're alive, where we're alive, it's not an accident. He puts us where he wants us to be. He's planted us. And a, a tree that is not planted, a tree that tries to uproot, a tree that's not planted cannot bear fruit. I want to be planted in the house of God, planted in the word of God, planted in the will of God. The Bible says that God has marked out our appointed times in history, the boundaries of our lands. He did this so that we would reach out and touch him, find him, though he's not far from any one of us. In Chronicles, it says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him, who are planted, planted in God. Sometimes we we lose our way. We lose sight of, of God working in our lives and him being our creator we try to be like everybody else, and we try to... It's hard sometimes to stay planted. It's hard. God, help me, help me to see my life as being planted in the will of God. Help me to be planted in your word. Second life lesson we see in Luke about this little donkey is he got untied. He had to be untied before he could be used. He had to be loosened to live out his mission. This world wants to bind you up. Sin wants to enslave you. The world wants to hold you captive to your past, to your pain. Jesus came to set us free from that. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. This is where we proclaim to that addiction, I'm coming untied from you. I'm coming untied from this bad relationship. I'm coming untied from this habit. I'm going to live out my freedom. I'm gonna, I've got a mission to fulfill. I can't fulfill this mission if I'm tied up. How many of you know that you can't untie anybody if, if you're tied up? So this untying, it's got to happen in fellowship. It has to happen in, in relationships. We have a whole mission here to help people find freedom, find freedom in their lives. It happens in relationships, it happens in small groups, it happens in Celebrate Recovery. We live in a world that's so easy to get tied up. We need others to help us get untied, to be able to, to move on, to be able to settle yesterday, to be able to fulfill a mission. I had the pleasure Wednesday night of being at Celebrate Recovery service and um, special services. It was a, a step study graduation. So it was uh, people who had gone through a step study, the 12 steps, worked those steps and uh, were graduating. They'd finished. And, and going in there and seeing them sitting on stage just as a testimony in and of itself, even before they had to open a word to share a story, is to see that they finished. They did the 12 steps. A lot of people, a lot of people don't finish. A lot of people, they, don't, they do a few steps and they bail. I get, they don't want to be free, I guess. They don't want to be untied. But, and these guys were sitting up there and they did it. They finished it. They did, they did the work. They untied each other from some things. It's just powerful to hear people getting untied and finding freedom from hurts, from addictions, from hang-ups, from wounds, from habits. And one guy shared a story of alcoholism. And it was brought on by m- many other heartbreaking things in life, being cheated on, uh, one marriage ending, losing a father to cancer, a struggling business, financial pressure on all sides. He'd even been to a 30-day inpatient treatment center and uh, 
asked him if we could share a story this weekend. He's out of town, but he said, go for it. And just any way, any way I can encourage someone. And I just want to read a story to you. And we pick up after he's left this 30-day inpatient treatment center. He says, I stayed sober for a little while. And things were getting back on track. Everything except for the fact that I was back to drinking socially again. Because I could control it this time. And I wouldn't let it get that bad again. Before long, my so social drinking had gone back to drinking daily. I had convinced myself that I needed it to deal with the stresses of life. Soon, I waited until everyone in the house fell asleep, and then I would start drinking and drink myself to sleep. I was drinking so much that I would feel sick when I did not drink. August 13th, 2018, I decided I needed to quit again. I went to an AA meeting where a lady gave me a bracelet that says one day at a time on it. This was very powerful to me. She also warned me that if I was drinking really heavy, detoxing could have some adverse physical effects. I knew this from when I detoxed at an inpatient treatment. Being a proud man that deals with his issues, I was going to quit and muscle my way through the withdrawal. Certainly, I could make it through, and it wouldn't affect me physically. I found out the hard way that I was wrong. On August 15th, my wife found me on the bedroom floor having a seizure. She called an ambulance, and I was rushed to the hospital. I, I had two seizures, multiple mini-strokes, and was in ICU for seven days. I have very little recollection of the time I spent in ICU because they had me sedated. August 28th, I was released from the hospital after going through physical therapy. I was sober, but almost lost my life in the process. I had been to celebrate recovery before, but hadn't committed to anything or put much effort into it. I planned to go to an intensive outpatient therapy three nights a week. By the time I went through the enrollment process for therapy, insurance denied the therapy because I was sober for 30 days from going to celebrate recovery. I didn't know what I was going to do. The following Wednesday, I showed up at CR. They were talking about a step study. I figured it couldn't hurt to find out more about it. It happened to work out that the step study had just started the week prior, and I could catch up. I went home and thought long and hard about it. I did not share my feelings like that with others, especially people that I didn't know. That night, I immediately started thinking about the situation again. It quickly became clear that God was already showing me what to do. Insurance denied the therapy, no real good plan on recovery, and the step study was available. The next week, I showed up on Wednesday and met a great group of guys. I decided that I was going to put forth real effort and see how God would lead me. The first night, we discussed 1 John 5 through 1, 5 through 7. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This verse hit me hard. I had distanced myself from God and had definitely been walking in darkness. I continued working the steps and really thinking about what they were saying. Every step, there seemed to be something specific I related to. I focused on staying sober, making the changes in my life. I saw friendships, relationships with my family, and interactions with coworkers flourishing. Living this way was not only improving me, but it was improving every aspect of my life. My relationship with Christ has grown significantly as well. Proverbs 29.23 teaches us pride ends in a fall while humility brings honor. That was exactly where I had been in the past. Pride was telling me I could do it for myself. I had failed every time. 
Since I gave my issues over to God, he has continually proved that he has the power to heal me. Now when I am in a situation that I would have turned to alcohol for, I turn to him, my sponsor, my accountability partners. I've learned there are much better ways to cope with life on life's terms. I will be sober eight months on April 13th, and I could not have done it without CR and the relationships I have made. A Christ-centered recovery and everything I have learned about myself is what holds me together. I have decided to co-lead a step study not only to give back, but to keep me focused. I'm really enjoying this new life, and I feel staying involved and continuing to work the steps will help me on that path. I love that. Come on, we got to get untied. Can't untie yourself. Pride will tell you you can do it every time. You can't untie yourself. Next move the donkey had to make was with this new group of people. Number three, he received the coats. They put their cloaks on him. You can't discover your purpose, can't grow to become like Christ if you keep shedding his coat. How many know a donkey can get cantankerous, not take a coat, not be worked with, wants to jog out from the, from the coat, wants to, to work around, wants to be cantankerous, even start to get mean. Just receive the cloak, receive the coat of Christ. This is what finding your new identity in Christ is all about, being in Christ, and receiving the work He has done, receiving what Christ has done for us, receiving His work in our life. Not moving out from under it, not running away from it, but receiving this new identity. This is so much of, so much of what, what we want to offer as a church, the new way of life. It's so much of what growth track is about to, to start taking on a, a new process, a new way of life, to, a new way to be a parent or to be married or to live out my life in the workplace, a new way to be generous. So much of discipleship is receiving this identity from Christ to bring us into a new way. Live a new, a new life, not led by your past, not led by the negative thoughts, not led by the life others tried to tell you. God has a plan for you. This donkey found a purpose. This donkey received his identity. Number four, this donkey carried the weight. Carried the weight. Luke tells us he'd never been ridden. He'd never been ridden by, uh, uh, by anybody. This is, I just love that. He, he's not being ridden by everybody. He's not giving himself to everything. Somewhere in the sovereignty of God and the almighty and awareness of God, it's so fitting that this was an unridden donkey, was reserved for this moment. Sometimes it's so hard to, to reserve ourselves for the good works God planned for us long ago. It's hard to reserve ourselves for the serving opportunities God has for us. We want to run off and serve so many other different things. We want to, we want to give our life and and give our service, give our energy, give, give the energy we have to carry some weight, to carry things that, that are not worth moving from here to there. They're not worth uh, the effort. They're not worth the, the serving. Well, God is giving us serving opportunities that, that impact eternity, that impact people's lives so deeply. He says, I, I have plans for you. I planned them long ago. I have acts of good works for you that they carry the weight. They carry the weight of, of Jesus' mission. They, they serve other people. He carried the weight. Lastly, he helped them move the master toward his mission. Which means, number five, he made a way for the way maker. Jesus needed to get one from one place to another, so he enlisted. He got this donkey to bring him in, to carry him to the people and through the people. Jesus was making a way for mankind. He was headed to the cross, making a way for us because we could not make a way for ourselves. Can't make your own way. Can't forgive your own sin. Can't set yourselves free. Can't untie yourself. 
made a way for us. He used that donkey to make a way. It was a good day. It was a good day. Can you just imagine that donkey with all the garments and cloaks, the coats, palm branches and the song walking through? About that donkey is just, man, this ain't bad at all. It's a good day. All those other donkeys running off all scruffy looking. Get to be part of part of a mission, part of history, making my way into history. This is great. All that singing, all those praises, all those hands lifted up, all those palm branches waving. Bet he thought people were looking at him. It's never about us, though, is it? Can't save anybody. If I can serve somebody, I can, I can make a way. I can bring the name. I can, I can bring them someone who can make a difference. I can bring them a name that can save. I can bring the gospel into this situation one more time. I can bring the work of Jesus into this situation one more time. I can bring this invitation to church, this invitation to life, this invitation to Jesus. I can tell my story one more time. I can bring the gospel one more time. And maybe God is saying, you gave up too soon. Would you, would you make a way one more time? Would you, would you go through? Would you carry me into that situation one, one more time? Don't give up. Don't give up. You gave up too soon. Just take my name into it one more time. Take that invitation one more time. I make a way where there is no way. That's what I do. I know it looks impossible, but I make a way where there is no way. I made a way for you when you could not make a way for yourself. Don't give up. Carry his name into it one more time. Make a way for the way maker. If a donkey can be used. If God can use a donkey, He can use me. God can use a donkey, He can use you. God can use a donkey to fulfill these, these five purposes in His life. It's worship and fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism. He can use me. Certainly I can know God. Certainly I can find freedom, get untied. Certainly I can discover purpose. Certainly I can make a difference. Certainly I can share the name with somebody else. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we just say again to you, God, your son Jesus Christ, you made a way for us and you're worthy of all glory, all honor, all power, all the praise today. Maybe you're here today and you see God has planted you right where you need to be. You even being here today, is, it's not an accident. You were planted so that you may be untied, so that you can take on a new way of life, so that you can share in the ministry of Jesus, make a way for others to be saved. It all starts with saying yes to him. He can make a way for you or there seems to be no way. Or you think you could not be forgiven, you could not be saved. Jesus says it's not about you. I made a way. Let's just say to him today, God, I give you my life. I give you everything. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me, Lord. I believe that you died and you rose again. And so today I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you are who you say you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, 
and other ways you can discover your purpose here on Earth. <laughs>